As we begin our sermon series this morning by looking at how Jesus overcomes our fears, we're going to look at a section of God's Word from John chapter 20 where we see a whole group of Jesus followers afraid. So kind of as is our, our custom here, and not just here, but in many churches around the world, um, to show honor and respect for our Savior and King, we're going to stand as we read the gospel this morning. <clears throat> On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the gospel of our Savior. Let's pray. Father, bless us as we hear the, the truth of your word this morning. Help it to take deep root into our hearts so that we may live as your people out in this world, that we may be salt and light so that others might see, know, and believe in you. Bless us now as we spend time in that word, and we pray this in Jesus, our risen Savior's name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> we all have them. Each and every one of us here today and watching online, we all have them. Some are really big. Some are so big they consume our, our time, our energy, our mind, where we can't concentrate at work. We have a hard time enjoying family time, and it sometimes stops us from getting a good night's sleep. We all have them. Other times, they're not so big, they're small, they pop up from time to time, they're kind of a minor nuisance, but yet they still cause trouble in our lives. Because we all have them. Right? They, they show up with us at the doctor's office, and they're sitting next to us on our couches as we scroll through and read the latest news of what's happening in our broken world. They're there when maybe we get caught doing something we shouldn't, and we have to, to confront the person we wronged, and it's there at the office. It follows us to school. It goes on vacation with us, and yes, even when you walk through the doors today, some of them came with you, even as much as you wanted to leave them in the car. It's what often causes us to avoid certain people and certain situations. It's what causes us to sometimes isolate and keep to ourselves or take those things and shove them deep down because we don't want to let anybody in and let anybody know. It's something that often robs us of peace tries to steal our joy, and, and I love what one Christian author I read this past week said, it, it often produces a case of spiritual amnesia. 
where we so easily forget the good and the amazing and the awesome things that our God has done for us. We all have. And I think that's why the Bible talks about fear an awful lot. Did you know that? In fact, if you were to open your Bibles this morning and start paging through, you would only have to get to Genesis chapter 3, the third chapter in the first book of the Bible, and there's fear. Adam and Eve were afraid. They ran and they hid because they were afraid that they had been found out by God for disobeying and sinning against them. So they're scared. If you page a little bit further in, in your scriptures, you meet a guy named Moses. He was an Israelite. His people were in slavery in Egypt, and God comes to him and says, I want you to lead them out. And Moses is afraid. Get somebody else, God. I can't do it. I can't speak well. I'm not, I'm not the guy for the job. Please ask somebody else. I'm scared. What, what am I going to say to him? Who do I say sent me? Or you could go sit down with a guy named Elijah, a prophet of God, and, and one that kind of went toe-to-toe with, with the prophets of a false god named Baal, and God flexed his muscles, smoked them all, gave Elijah the victory, and then Elijah goes on the run because he's fearing for his life. He's afraid of a wicked, evil, unbelieving king named Jezebel, and that's only part of it, He also is afraid that he's the only one left. He's scared. He's tired. He thinks that that nobody cares, nobody understands, nobody else is left in the whole country that even listens to God anymore. He was afraid. And what about Mary and Joseph? The angel appears to Mary. The Bible tells us that she's, she's terrified. The, the angel appears to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because he's afraid. What are people going to think? What are they going to say? He wanted to divorce her quietly. He was afraid. Because you see, we all have them. Some really big. Some small. But fear affects us all. So what are we going to do with it? How are we going to overcome our fears, as numerous as they might be? I suppose we could do a couple of things. We could could go up on Amazon.com and type in self-help books or how to overcome our fear. And you can find blogs and posts and books and podcasts a dime a dozen on how to address fear. Some of them maybe work, some of them probably not so much. Or you could just ignore it. You could stuff it down deep. You could try to pretend it's not there, lock it in your closet, in your bedroom, but you know it's still there. But that's probably not the most effective. And so today, instead of doing those things, we're going to go to Jesus. Because if we're going to overcome our fears, if we're going to find true peace and joy in this life, it's not going to come from outside there. It's not going to come from within us. It's going to come from the one who promises it. And so as we think about all those things this morning, we're turning our attention to that lesson that we just read a few minutes ago from John chapter 20, where we meet up with a bunch of guys who are scared. 
big, grown, tough men who were locked behind a door, terrified. Right? Listen to what John says. He, he kind of puts us in the, their state of mind. We're told that on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Why were they so scared? It mentions Jewish leaders, but it goes deeper than the Jewish leaders. Why were these grown men afraid? See, they had some time to think about it. You know, sometimes people will say to you, well, you know what, it just takes time, you need to process things, whatever. I'm not so sure if that's the best approach, because I don't know about you, but when I start thinking about things day after day after day, it actually gets worse. More, more stress, more worry, more fear. And so the disciples, they're kind of those shoes, right? They have three days to think about what had just happened. And what had happened? Jesus died. Now, I think one of the troubles that we often have as Christians is, is we know how the whole story ends, right? So we're like, oh, guys, it's going to be okay. They were living it. They were in the middle of it. They had no idea it was going to be okay. In fact, they didn't think it was going to be okay. If you could be a fly on the wall in that upper room behind the locked doors, maybe the conversation would have went something like this. Hey, Philip. Yeah? I thought he was going to be the one, didn't you? I mean, I thought he, 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 was, he said he was the Messiah, and, and we believed him. D -d Didn't you think the same thing? Yeah, I did. But now what? He can't be the Messiah because he's dead. What are we supposed to do? I don't know, Philip. Hey, Peter. What are we supposed to do next? You're usually not speechless, Peter. You're usually one to chime in right away, kind of our unofficial leader. What are we supposed to do, Peter? What's the next step? What's the plan? I don't know, guys. I don't have a plan. And what about those Jewish leaders? They know we were with Jesus. Peter, they saw you in the courtyard the night Jesus was put on trial. They saw us in the garden. They saw us in the temple the week before with Jesus every day. They know we're with him. They killed him. When are they coming for us? What's going to happen to our wives? What's going to happen to our children? We left all of them to follow Jesus and he's dead and they might come and kill us too. What do we do next? They were afraid. They were scared. And they locked themselves behind closed doors, not wanting anyone to get in. But someone does. Right? This is what he says. When the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. All right, he's here. Everything's a-okay, right, guys? This is great. Everybody, a sigh of relief. Everybody's pumped. This is great. Except this is Jesus. 
You know what Luke tells us in his gospel when they first see Jesus? He's depicting the same scene as John. Luke says they were even more terrified. Why would they be more scared? I mean, Jesus is standing right... Oh, wait. Jesus, you're dead. We, we know it. We, we saw it. We heard the reports of the women who, who saw you buried and all this stuff. Like, you're dead, Jesus. And so their fear was amplified. Because right? either one of two things are happening here. Either one, they're seeing ghost Jesus. This is zombie Jesus. Or we're all going crazy and we're seeing things. Because we know he's dead. So they're more scared. But there's a scarier option. Not ghost Jesus, which they thought he was a ghost at first. Not, not we're all going nuts and seeing things. The scariest option of all is this is real. This really is Jesus. He's really standing in front of us, guys. And oh my goodness, we're scared. Now, why would this be the scariest option of all? Right? Jesus is here. Think about it. When was the last time they would have seen Jesus alive? Many of them, the last time they saw Jesus alive was maybe a quick glance over their shoulder as they were running to save their own skin in the garden. The last time some of them saw Jesus, he was shackled from head to toe in chains, bloody and beaten, being led to another trial where he would finally be put to death. The last time some of them saw Jesus, they were saying, swear to God, don't know this man, never heard of Jesus at all, I'm not one of his, no way, no how, forget about it, it's not me. Jesus who? Don't know him. Last time some of them saw Jesus, he was up on a cross. And as minute by minute ticked by, they, they heard his cries of pain. They watched as he tried to push himself up on those nails just to get a little more breath into his lungs as it was so slowly suffocating him, and they watched him die. And they did nothing. At the last time these guys saw Jesus alive, they had abandoned him, they had betrayed him, they had denied him, they had done nothing to intervene to help and save their friend. And now here he is. I think of a confrontation that, that you might have had or might have to have with somebody that, that you did wrong. You're, you're dreading it, you're afraid, you don't want to do it because what are they going to say? What are they going to do? That's how they're looking at Jesus. It's real, he's here. What's he going to say to us? What's he going to do to us? We did nothing for him. They had some fears. Some pretty big fears that they were struggling with. So what about you? What are your fears? What are the things that keep you up at night, the things that, that get you all worked up and worried? What are the things that strike fear in your own heart?
Maybe for some of you, you're kind of like Adam and Eve. You're afraid of being found out, right? If she knows what I've been doing, it's not going to go well. If work finds out what, what I've been doing at, at the job, I, I might get in trouble, maybe even lose my job. If the teachers find out what we've been doing and how we've been cheating on our assignments, we're going to get suspended. If my parents find out, I'm grounded for sure. If those friends of mine find out what I said or did to them, they're not going to want to be my friend anymore. If those people over there know what goes through my mind, they're going to fire me. Maybe your fears are like Adam and Eve. You're afraid that somehow, someway, you're going to be found out. And that terrifies you. Or maybe you're afraid like Moses. I know, there's no way, God. I, I, I can't do that. I, I can't measure up. I, I'm not worthy. I, I can't do that. In fact, don't you know I'm kind of a failure? I'm kind of a, a mistake here, God? I mean, why are you coming to me? There, there's no way. And you're afraid? Maybe you can relate to Elijah. Maybe you're not actually physically running for your life, but you're running from those fears as fast as you can to try to get some distance between you and them, but it's not working. Or maybe you're worried that nobody else knows what you're going through. Nobody's got your back. You're the only one left. So you're afraid. Or maybe like Mary and Joe, you're scared about the future. You don't know what to do. You don't know what the right step is. What are they going to think? What are those people going to say? And so you're scared. Or maybe you can really identify with those disciples this morning. You're locked behind some closed door of fear, and you're just waiting for the other foot to drop because you know you let down and failed that person. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a classmate. Maybe it was someone here at church. Maybe it was a pastor who let down his people. And you're afraid. Because here really is the biggest fear of all. Like those disciples, we have all let down and failed our God. At the times that we said, Jesus, I'm in it all the way, only to cave when things got tough. The times that, where we let our selfishness and pride take over and it was about us and what we want and, and we weren't going to listen to what God wants or, or what other people wanted. It's, it's about me. Or maybe it was the time that we held on to that grudge and we refused to forgive because, man, they hurt me. And I'll, I'll, I'll get there, but I want them to know how it feels to feel hurt or betrayed or let down. So I'm not going to let go just yet. You don't know what God says to forgive. Or maybe it's the times that, that we were so focused 
on what he was doing or what she was doing and their sins or what they didn't do. And we failed to look in the mirror and address our own. Or maybe it was the time that, that we cried, justice, we want justice for that issue, for that person, but we begged for mercy for our own. Like the disciples, all of us have failed God. We have not loved him with all our heart, soul, and mind. We have not loved our neighbor as ourself. The disciples had reason to be scared. We would have every reason to be afraid. But I haven't said amen yet. All right, there they are. They're in the room. Palms are sweaty. They're shaking in their sandals. And all eyes are fixed to Jesus. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Here it comes. And this is what he says. Peace be with you. There was no, hey guys, where have you been? There was no, thanks for ditching me. There was no, hey, now you're going to pay for what you did. He says, peace be with you. Imagine the relief. Imagine the weight lifted off their shoulders, right? The one who was God in the flesh. He is who he says he is because he's alive. This is the Savior, the one that we let down, the one that we abandoned, the one that has the power to get us back and should. He just forgave them freely. All right, guys, peace be with you. And, and, and if my words aren't enough, come here. I got the nail marks to prove it. Touch my hands, touch my side. I'm not a ghost. There's no zombie Jesus here. I'm alive, and you're forgiven, and it's going to be okay. Peace be with you. On that first Easter, the first Easter evening, as the disciples were, were closed off behind locked doors, fearing for their life, Jesus came to them, with his presence, his love, and his words of forgiveness. And that was the game changer, right? Their fear was removed, they were overjoyed, and then you got things like Acts chapter 2 that we read. Man, they boldly went out and talked about Jesus until the day most of them actually died for doing so. See, Jesus' resurrection overcame their fears. And Jesus' resurrection does the same for you and me. Whatever's causing fear, uncertain future, unresolved guilt, something you did a long time ago, some issue you're dealing with right now, Jesus comes to you and he says, peace be with you. You know, there's a section of God's word that, that it's one of my favorites. It comes from Romans chapter 5 that reminds us of this peace that is ours through God, right? We're told this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? It means before you confessed the sin, before you actually cleaned up your act, 
before you, you were doing it God's way, before any of that, Jesus came and he died to forgive you. You're free. Right? And that means now that you can go into the presence of God whenever because of Christ. And not because your sin doesn't matter. It wasn't that big of a deal. No, look to the cross. It was a huge deal. But you can go to God now because Jesus paid the penalty. And he says to you, peace. Peace be with you. You are forgiven. You are free. No more fear. No more doubt. No more worry. Only joy and confidence. There's a lot of things in this world that can cause us fear. And I'm not dumb enough to think one little sermon and all of us are going to leave here and we're never going to have a fear again. I'm going to have a million this afternoon already. But you know what Jesus tells us? He says, I have an antidote. When you are fearful, turn to words like this. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear. Now, if you were listening when we read this earlier, right, fear is attached to punishment. That's why oftentimes when we're afraid, especially when we do something wrong, we don't want to face that person. We don't want to face the music because we're scared because we're going to get punished, right? There's no fear in the perfect love of Jesus. Why? Because there's no punishment. Why? Because Jesus was already punished in your place. On that cross, Jesus says, it is finished. And he wasn't joking. He said, it is finished. The payment for sin, your punishment that you deserved, I took it, it's done, you're forgiven. And what I give you now is forgiveness, and I give you my peace. See, friends, we all have them. We all have them. Some are big, some are small, but we all have them and deal with them on a regular basis. And so what are we going to do with them? You know what Jesus says this morning? I, I got a different way. I got a better way. The next time fear strikes, instead of trying to figure it out on your own, instead of going to the self-help section at Barnes & Noble, come to my word and listen to me and listen as he says, peace be with you. And he says, it's going to be okay. Whatever you're going through, it's going to be okay. I know what you've done, but I forgave it. You're free. I know that you're scared, but I'm going to go through it with you, and I'm going to bring you safely on the other side. I know you feel all alone, but you're not. You're never alone if you're my child. I'm always with you. I know it all, and I've done it all. And so because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, because he has overcome all things for us, you and I, we don't need to be afraid anymore. We don't need to fear. We don't need to worry. Because as God himself tells us, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Friends, you are free. You are forgiven, 
and Jesus is with you. Do not fear. Amen.